And I tell this to teachers in K through 12 and colleges, universities, I do not want to see you doing a hashtag on Twitter about what you have in your classroom and consider that liberating when you are not contributing to the dismantling of falsehoods in every aspect of the school systems, education systems, and libraries. If you're afraid of pissing people off and people threatening your career, then you are not doing anything. You're not really an educator. You have a job, completely different. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone. Sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Dr. Kimya Nuru Dennis is an activist, sociologist, and criminologist, educator, and researcher. As founder of 365 Diversity, Dr. Dennis helps change policies and practices, curriculum and courses, and evaluations and assessments for K-12 schools, colleges and universities, businesses, human resources office, for-profit and nonprofit organizations, and communities. Emphasis is placed on supporting and protecting people with underserved and minoritized identities and experiences. A range of demographics and cultures captured include race and ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic status, language, and communication, mental health, physical health, self-harm and suicide, disability, reproductive health and freedom, and sexual health and freedom. Born and raised in the city of Richmond, Virginia, Dr. Dennis lived in North Carolina to attain the doctorate and as a college faculty. Dr. Dennis now lives in the city of Baltimore, Maryland, and connects with local, national, and international communities, schools, businesses, and organizations. Services provided are listed on the 365 Diversity website and include curriculum change sessions, policy change sessions, and health equity sessions. Well, I am so glad you decided to come back to Diversity Dish. Welcome, welcome. My guest today is Dr. Kimya Nuru-Dennis. Hey, Dr. Kimya, how are you? Hi, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Oh my goodness, we've had just a little bit of a chat before getting on live and I am too excited to get into talking about all of the things that you teach about and that you do. But before we get into all of that, I want my audience to get to know you just a little bit better. So I want you to tell us, what is it that you are passionate about right now? I am passionate right now about the same thing I've been passionate about for 20 or so years, Black health, that's mental health, physical health, Black forms of collaboration and unity that includes Black individualism in terms of us knowing ourselves. So not hiding our own identities and our own mental and physical needs 
for the collective. I don't believe in hiding ourselves for the collective. So I am eternally passionate about that because I tell people I do not go based on what is trending on social media or what other people tell me is the topic because every single topic connects to thousands of years of topics. None of this stuff is new. That's exactly right. I love, love to hear it. And I say that too. I say that to people all the time. I'm like, you know what? You start pulling one string and it just, it's like a sweater. You know, you Mm -hmm. have this whole big sweater. It's like this whole big, big thing. And you start pulling on one string and that one string can just, can, can, can bring you to all other things. It all connected to so much history behind that you know, we really need to understand, right? You are, you are an educator. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what it is that you teach. So first and foremost, I'm an activist and a sociologist and criminologist and an educator. And I always make that distinction because despite the fact that we come from thousands of years of African knowledges, intellect, sciences, mathematics, arts, literatures, histories, cultures, religions, spiritualities around the world, thousands of years and five centuries on the Western hemisphere in and of itself, people oftentimes consider white people to be the creators of universities. They consider Mm. white people to be the creators of what's intended to be learned and understood. And when you say educator, most people, and that's around the world, even when they deny it, that's still what's in their libraries and their school curriculum, K through 12, graduate school, medical school, and PhD programs. When you say educator, they're thinking white people's version of everything. So that's why I want people to remember we come from thousands of years of African activist scholarship, Mm -hmm. which eventually went to five centuries on the Western hemisphere. And so for me, being an educator is understanding that we all have been taught falsehood throughout our lives, whether that's through schools, and it's intentionally designed that way. Never pretend that these school decision makers are unintentionally teaching lies. Mm -hmm. People are taught lies through their families. People are taught lies in in religious institutions. Mm -hmm. And so there comes a point where we have to understand that information is out there. Yes, factual information has been stolen for thousands of years, misrepresented, inaccurately depicted as created by white people, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's information that's out there that we can access. And you have to do more than an internet search because unfortunately there's a whole lot of falsehoods and extremist views that people are now considering factual because one thing about black people we're among the underserved people around the world who are desperate and sometimes will hold on to anything and want to believe it's true. Why? Because it's the only alternative we oftentimes has, have. So as an educator, I'm contributing in my lifetime to the dismantling of the falsehood of what education means. It's not just being an armchair theorist. It's mm-hmm. not just being an armchair researcher. Mm-hmm. I and many Black activist scholars for centuries spend most of our time doing community work, spend most of our time doing work such as I created an academic program and I ran that program for almost nine years. I was in charge of curriculum. I was in charge of making sure that most books and most articles and so forth were not just a bunch of white people, a bunch of men, a bunch of religious majority and so forth. 
And so for me, being an educator is literally taking every part of that. And I tell this to teachers in K through 12 and colleges, universities, I do not want to see you doing a hashtag on Twitter about what you have in your classroom and consider that liberating when you are not contributing to the dismantling of falsehoods in every aspect of the school systems, education systems, and libraries. If you're afraid of pissing people off and people threatening your career, then you are not doing anything. You're not really an educator. You have a job, completely different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right now, and you are you are absolutely right. There is a lot of lip service that goes into the idea and the thought of activism, right? There's a lot of lip service given to, to these things. And so I really appreciate what you're saying in terms of really digging deep and finding the information that has been buried because it's not comfortable or it's not conducive to what people want other people to to learn and understand. Hey, how would it feel to use your talents in the cause of social justice? It's no secret that Black, Indigenous, queer, people of color, or those who are part of any marginalized group don't get a fair shake, experience systemic racism, and must work harder for the same rights and privileges that white people receive just by virtue of their race. Also know, it doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes that can get overwhelming. Where do we start to make a real difference? What we know we need are upstanders and advocates, people ready to stand up, take action, and spend their privilege to help others. If that's you, I want to invite you on a discovery date with me. Discovery date is a full day immersion in your passions, talents, and desires to help you create a blueprint of powerful, focused action where you'll make the most impact. On your date, we'll discover your strengths, we'll find your lane, and we'll begin your journey. It's just that simple. Discovery Dates with Sadie. If you want to know more, just go to sedrolamariska.com backslash discovery dash dates. Hey, what are you waiting for? Come on over. I'm waiting for you. And it's also a falsehood of Black people have been brainwashed, including in schools, to believe that Black activism is only us screaming, killing slave masses and marching down streets. Activism is, again, centuries of Black poets, Black spoken word, hip hop, you know, Black blues singers. Like we have messages everywhere. You can listen to Strange Fruit and listen to that. Like lyrically and literally our messages in activism are everywhere. Activism includes how we form the sciences, how we express science and knowledge through art. And so this is one thing I want our people to understand. A lot of times when Black people talk about activism, they're talking about protesting down streets. Mm -hmm. And then when you say, okay, well, tell me about the history of Black activism, they're thinking of enslaved Africans and enslaved Black people doing an uprising Mm -hmm. and putting glass in, you know, the white people's food and stuff, but we actually get other forms of activism. 
that mm -hmm. sometimes were not as obvious. So people thought we weren't doing anything, but it still has a lasting impact because I tell you, white people are 529 years of experts on how to respond to black anger when it's overt activism. They know what to do, including killing us and arresting mm -hmm. us, right? Mm -hmm. And raping us and, 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 and incarcerating us. So that's why we have to make sure we teach our people that activism is literally various forms of expression and change making. Like if you're marching down the street, cool. Now let me see you making changes to these policies, making changes to accreditation requirements. For because I tell you what, you marching down that street, tomorrow you're still learning white people's version of history, white people's version of mathematics, despite there being Asian, indigenous, African math. So the activism literally has to be wherever we exist in our lifetime, if at all possible. So learning beyond the learning that we have gotten within the school, I say to people all the time, we're, we're, we're all socialized in the same thing. And so we have to, to understand that just because it was put forth by white people doesn't mean that it is the end all be all and that's what we tend to learn, but that what we've given and a lot of and 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 you know when we think about it, because we know that the enslaved people they were taken from their homes and but these people knew were educated. Where they you know from where they were they were educated, you know we like to think that they were running around in the jungle and they didn't have anything, they didn't have any knowledge or any expertise or any, they, 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 that they didn't amount to anything until they became, you know, until they were enslaved and mm -hmm. came to this country and then were given, right there, they were um, civilized, you know, right. all these words that are used that are just, you know, just, you know, pretty degrading because it's, it's to say that, you know, every other person everywhere else was not civilized if they were not acting or, or succumbing to the white ideas and ideals. So that's, that's also where I tell black people and non-black people who are brown and not white mm -hmm. to watch the terminology used. So I always have to explain to people, do not say things like first world, second world, third mm. world. Um, don't yeah. say things like developed nations. We can say impoverished nations because that's actually based on unfortunate economic facts, but we have to also understand why economics are the way they are. It's intentionally designed. When we talk about categorical distinctions that are intentionally created so that can, there could be a ranking and therefore inequality. Mm -hmm. So our people who are from agricultural nations on the continent of Africa, which is a huge continent, Mm -hmm. Being from agriculture, even being from the jungles around the world, including Aboriginal, does not mean that you don't come from knowledge. That's right. So we also want to make sure we challenge how people define knowledge, because formal education is not the original form of education. Right. Before there were schools. And people celebrate homeschooling when it's white people. But when we're talking about Black people, they're like, you're not really learning anything. Right. And especially poor people, which includes poor people of every race, poor black and brown people. But homeschooling is the original form of education before there was even an official thing that you had to get confirmed to do homeschooling, right? Right. 
So that's one thing we have to really dissect how people define education, because 99% of people around the world define it based on a very white Anglo-Saxon Protestant version of what it means to be educated. It's a classroom where people are speaking the speaking the quote unquote Queen's English, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you still have our people in places like Nigeria who are still wearing, you know, the British wig and court of law. So that's an example how brainwashing is still there. It's in the libraries. And uh, that's still this notion that you can excel in life, but it's still based on white people's standard or what it means to be educated, what it means to be knowledgeable. And, uh, and you see that even when they show images of our people on the continent of Africa being taught mathematics by hand because they lack technology. It still is the white, it's not usually African form of mathematics, it's the white form of mathematics, right? Mm-hmm. And then these white controlled entities will say, well, we'll donate, we'll donate computers, we'll donate textbooks. And they, they, they might not think about it being white people's version of stuff, but they don't have to think about it. Power majorities never have to think about it because they know that 99% stuff, even if it's made by Asians, will still be based on white approval and white funding mostly. Right. So this is why I always say we have to dissect what we mean by education and knowledge because most people have been taught that it's our faces on the front. It's like blackface. Our faces mm-hmm. on the front, but it has to be repeating white people's version of what it means to be informed. Right. You know, it's, and it can be so simple as, you know, the idea, you know, we as Americans, I, so this, this, so this summer I took my son to, to Germany and we also went to, to Paris and, and I told my son, I said, you know, one of the things that is very apparent, especially in America is that. Americans believe that if you do not speak English, then the, then you are ignorant or there's something wrong with your, you know, your capacity for learning. And, and I said to him, I said, I said, how can that be right? I said, if you go to a country and they have a language and you don't understand that language, then to them, you are the one who has a, a, a deficiency because that is their language and because we we speak different languages doesn't mean that any other person who does not speak the language that we speak is of diminished capacity you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so I find that it you know it's kind of just like that it's kind of you know, we go somewhere and we see something and it doesn't fall into those parameters, as you said, you know, that, that it is not informed by white whiteness, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that's, there's something wrong with that, or that is bad, or that is, you know, that's just weird or whatever the, the, the adjective (laughs) you Mm want to use, you know, for, for that. We were talking a little bit before we got on air about Haiti because my parents are from Haiti. So I am um, first generation Haitian American. And growing up, I never had a problem being Haitian. And I think it had a lot to do with my father always speaking about Haiti in a way that was that was. full of pride, full of understanding of the struggle that Haiti has gone through. Um, But also growing up, there were a lot of people who were not happy to be Haitian and who tried to assimilate 
differently. And I think that a lot of what you're saying translates to that because it's kind of saying, because we don't understand the history behind the things that happen in Haiti or in any other country for that matter, for so many you know, different countries across the globe. So would you please speak to that so that our audience can hear the perspective of, you know, that education, the education is needed, you know, for all of that. Okay. Well, first I do want to highlight when we're talking about going to Germany and going to Paris, white supremacy of 529 years around the world. So I always want to highlight that because no matter where black people are around the world, we are called racial slurs. We mm -hmm are subjected to beatings. Uh, it might not be called a Ku Klux Klan, but, but there's different forms of white supremacist organizations in Germany. And so, we're t so when we're talking about, for example, how the Irish became considered white, how Catholics, European Catholics got considered white, how Jews who were victims of the Holocaust and are still victims of the aftermath of the Holocaust became considered white. Many white Jews get mad when you call them white, but that's another example of how race is so intertwined that many white Jews pretend that Judaism is race neutral when it varies by race, ethnicity, culture, language. Like, you know, you're never gonna try to convince me that Ethiopian Jews don't realize they're different than, you know, Jews elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Like when you go to synagogues that are predominantly white, the Ethiopian Jews are usually the only black and brown Jews there. So I, I just always wanna highlight that because sometimes black people say, well, I'm moving to Europe. And then they get shocked because they were brainwashed to believe that this white supremacy thing was different. just Western hemisphere. Mm -hmm. Many black people believe it's not a Canadian thing just because Canada uh, abolished slavery before United States of America did. However, there's still protests in 2021 about Islamophobia, anti-Blackness, white supremacy, health racism, despite Canadians bragging about universal health care and stuff like that. Canada is still over 70% white. <laughs> the languages are mm -hmm. European languages predominantly, including African derivatives of European languages. So I really want Black people, no matter where you go around the world, just because people smile at you a little bit more, you got to dissect, what am I learning here? It's still mm -hmm. British languages. It's still mm -hmm. white people's version. You can go to Petty, just like we have Black scholars and Black musicians for a century who moved to Europe. James Baldwin, Dr. W.B. Du Bois, you know, we have so many singers who did mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah. And they were celebrated but they were celebrated by white people in Europe who mm -hmm. could easily change their mind if they decide to do so, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I never want our people to create rankings and categorizations of white supremacies. White supremacy mm -hmm. with smiles, white power with smiles, white power in French, in Italian, in British English. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's still... It's still white power. White mm -hmm. power in Hispanic cultures, some of whom identify racially as white, including mm -hmm. on census data, just because it has a different accent, it's still white power. Okay, so I want our people to understand that, and that really ties to what we're talking about Haiti, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, and this is the huge battle, because 529 years of white 
supremacy and white terrorism requires African people to battle each other. Now, hundreds of thousands of years of humans have always killed each other and battled each other. So when yes. people talk about black on black, humans Whatever. have always battled their own families and, and so forth. That's always been a problem. We're not the only people. However, as pertains to black people, this notion of black people on this continent having to prove that they're real victims of oppression versus you all are not, that's designed intentionally so that we will not unite like people such as Marcus Garvey want, right? Yes. Instead of uniting on every continent around the world, you're supposed to prove that I'm the real African. Right. It's your fault that you speak French right? versus French people colonializing, raping, murdering, right? Right. And that, of course, as you know, is the cause of colorism, colonialism, Christian missionaries resulted in colorism, which is why in North America, South America, Haiti, Jamaica, parts of Africa, it's very prevalent, a huge skin bleaching industry. Mm -hmm. The Jamaican artist, name begins with a V, but I always forget his name. Big Jamaican artist in Jamaica made so much money from skin bleaching. He himself is light bright now. And mm. our people, you know, burning our hair for centuries to get straight hair. And now, unfortunately, in parts of the world, our people are using chemicals and oils from cars. Like if you don't have access to hair relaxers, you're using vehicle oils to mm. straighten hair and skin. So that's just an example of how it's, impacted so when we're talking about Haitians and I tend not to put American beside my name because I didn't come here on a tourist attraction but <laughs> yes. are now in North America as you and I talked about what's happening in Haiti including this most recent natural disaster which naturals in quotation marks right because humans have ruined the planet so it's not so much natural as it is human outcome when we're talking about Haiti being the most impoverished nation in the Western Hemisphere, that's, that's intentionally done that way because the French were outraged at the uprising. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. right? Right. And I always want our people to understand that when we talk about uprisings, we had enslaved Africans, enslaved Black people doing uprisings every day. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times we see images of South America, North America, of our people, you know, singing Negro spirituals, eating soul food that results from the white people throwing fat back at us. And we pretend like it was either either or like we were either happy and slapping our hands together or we were doing uprising. It was a combination because we had to mentally adjust to whatever we thought was happening. Right. Right. So there were all sorts of uprisings. Right now, Haiti is still suffering from that uprising because Haiti would have suffered anyway if there had not been an uprising against the French because the French would have punished Haiti because, you know, there's no such thing as coexisting with the oppressor, right? Right. But even more so now, it's this notion that Haiti is suffering, not just Haiti, but Haitians, people. Haitians, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> And a lot of times people are blaming the Haitians. The Haitians, right. right. You know? mm -hmm. And one good way that folk do that is they bring up Papa Doc and Baby Doc. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Right? 
So if we want to talk about history, you already know all this. When we talk about Papa Doc and Baby Doc, what they did was also designed by the Europeans as well. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like when you look at impoverished nations like Jamaica, for example, being controlled by tourism and it's white people who own the majority of the tourists. Yes. Right? Attraction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And unfortunately, one problem that happens in Haiti and Jamaica as well is a lot of times when Black people in the United States of America speak out and they say we need to fight white supremacy in Haiti, for example, unfortunately, there are Haitians and Jamaicans who will say, well, that's not a problem here because they think that white power only happens if there are white people there. White people there, around, yeah. right. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not realizing yeah. that the puppeteer has strings that reach... It's intentional, you know? Yes. And you and I referenced this. So I've had debates, almost arguments with medical and health professionals who are Haitians, who are Jamaicans, who are Nigerians, because they would say things like, well, we control this space. This racism thing, it's imaginary and it's only for you Black people in the USA. And I'm like, wait a second, tell me what you learned in K through 12, even in your medical degree program, tell me what's in most of your libraries and tell me how much of that is really European white people. Despite thousands of years of African sciences and medicines and holistic health approaches that should be the foundation of the world, including Haiti and Jamaica, what is being learned? So it's intentionally designed this way. Now, I also have to say this doesn't mean that we as a people do not have independent individual decision-making, right? Right. But that decision-making comes in honesty of why people make certain decisions. Because poverty requires brainwashing people to not think they have other options. Options, correct. Poverty also requires brainwashing our people to believe that once you've succeeded, you better now mimic white people as much as possible, which means don't be seen too much around your own people. Right. (laughs) Don't speak your own language too much. You better change your hair a little bit. Mm -hmm. Especially Mm -hmm. when we're talking about melanin, you know, the darker the melanin, now you got to accommodate even more. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Is the colorism again. Right. So that's what's going on now when we're talking about Haiti. And I mean, it's, going, it's been going on forever, but now with the most recent quote unquote natural disaster, yeah, people are like, well, getting aid from Canada, getting aid from the USA, getting aid from the French. I don't know if that's possible, but you know. <laughs> um, there's always a, an asterisk on the contract, right? There's always a caveat. There's always a, Mm -hmm. well, we're going to do this. Yes. But then you're going to need to do this. Yes. Kind of deal. Yep. So we're going to help you during this time. And now this means your part of it will be increasing our trade options. Mm -hmm. We're talking about gross domestic product, increasing international trade. We're talking about underpaid enslaved labor increasing that as well Mm -hmm. and so this is one thing i always explain to people in our lifetime we can only do our portion right Mm -hmm. we're never going to fix 
even a portion or a segment of the problems going on. We can just do our portion. Mm -hmm. So this is where I always encourage Haitians to, to say, here's what we need from our own people, Mm -hmm. you know, in-house. Here's what we need from Black people around the world. Because those of us, because I am Pan-African and pro-Black, so I'm not one of those people who says it's only a problem in North America, USA. Right, it's not. <laughs> Pan-African. My people are thousands of years of billions of people, thousands of cultures and identities, but we're yes. all in this because we have common denominators. Does not mean we all have to like each other. Does not mean we all have to agree. Does not mean we all have to be the same shade of Black or anything, right? Right. It means that... Pan-African is what brings us together. And so that sense of empowerment is what I want more among Haitians. And no matter where Haitians are located, because as you know, there are many Haitians who have relocated to Europe. Feelings of empowerment so that even Haitians who want to donate resources and money back to Haiti know that it's actually going to our people in Haiti. Right. And not to people like Papa Doc, Baby Doc. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? They don't exist no more, but you know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. Yes, yes. Circling back just a little bit to where you say that, uh, you know, you're a pan-African. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're fine. That is something that I feel very deeply. And especially when you consider, you know, all of our ancestors were taken from, the, from, from Africa, different mm-hmm. countries, different ways. But then you know, families were always separated. There were separations. They were sent to, you know, some people might've been sent to one place or another place on, even on plantations, people might've been sold off to Mm -hmm. another plantation. Some, and that person might've taken someone to an Island. So to, to work, to, to, to try to pretend that we are not all one people in this whole you know, diaspora is really doesn't make much sense to me. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that, I think that if we, if we saw it more that way, then we would be able to then say there would be more cohesion, right. Instead of, instead of allowing that feeling that we're somehow separate from it all um, to, to, to take hold. <clears throat> I wish that was possible. So we do have some Pan-African people who, who want it. And I hear this quite often. They want Africa to become more of one nation. And of course it's various nations, including when you go to Northern Africa, there are people who want to keep saying Egypt was never black, which, you know, that's not true, (laughs) but you know, that's part of the, the, um, the colorism and the racism that's, held over Egypt for centuries now, because now when you see most Egyptians, it's very lighter melanin Egyptian. So it's more like the Middle Eastern notion. And they'll show images of Egyptian royalty, which I don't value royalty regardless of where it is. I tell people, don't call me an African queen. To me, royalty always abused their own people. Mm. Become royalty and stay royalty, even if all the people are impoverished, right? Mm-hmm. including if the royalty were impoverished so I'm, i don't value kings and queens princesses and all that stuff in any way no matter where we are mm-hmm. but that's another way that um that people have changed how africa is represented they're saying this part is not really black people 
And so I tell people, I'm not going to waste my life debating. I'm not going to waste my, especially when most people are reading white people's version of history and books. Anyway, nothing to debate, right? (laughs) Instead, I just say that we have to understand how to unite and help each other without feeling the obligation to ignore the struggles within our own families and communities and culture. Mm -hmm. Like me being a Black woman who's a descendant of transatlantic slavery that forced us into United States of America, what's now the United States of America, being born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, I can focus on Black people who were forced onto this continent while also saying I will never turn my other people away. Away. not from here. But I have requirements. Like my brothers and I have Swahili first and middle names. Since we were children, it was the black students who made fun of our names. That was back in the 70s and 80s, 80s mm. and 90s, actually, when Shaka Zulu was popular. Mm. And so it was the black children who made fun of our names. They called us Shaka Zulu. They called us African booty scratchers. So that's a form of anti-blackness and anti-African that's intentionally designed by white people because mm-hmm. white people, it's 529 years. Well, you know, not 529 years, because that's more indigenous oppression. But we're talking about centuries of white people needing to tell us that they rescued us from exactly. being just, you know, yeah, demonized. Wow. We use religion right. into it. They saved us from eating dirt, you know, all that nonsense, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. despite us coming mostly from agricultural lands. So calling us African booty scratcher. And the other side of that is our people who are more directly African and are not descendants of transatlantic slavery being anti-Black, saying that you all don't know anything about this continent before right. and mocking us everywhere, including social media, uh, saying that we complain about white people and we don't even know our own people and saying that we're not successful because of our own lackluster knowledge and ability, which ignores, of course, the the impoverishment on a continent of Africa, which is why Chinese people are buying up land, which is why white people have always stolen land. The list goes on, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People, you're struggling and instead of saying that you unite to buffer some of the struggles in our lifetime, you're trying to create a ranking of our people to say right. who's really African. To right. me, that's stupid and white people love it. Right. Like who's really black? Like you're, <laughs> yes. you know, because when you hear white people arguing over, uh, you know, unfortunate anti-Semitism, when you hear white people talking about the Irish, because, you know, when you talk about how the Irish became considered white, included mm-hmm. indentured servitude, included being initially called white Negroes and being in black uh, impoverished environments before using Catholicism to be considered racially white. So those divisions within ethnicities and cultures of religions of people who became assimilated into whiteness, they still exist. However, white people have figured out over the centuries how to hide some of those, you know, Mm -hmm. battles within Mm -hmm. so that white dominance can be advanced. Yeah. Right. Because when you go into these white controlled spaces around the world, it's not only blue eyed, blonde haired, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants and Aryans. So Mm -hmm. it's intentionally like that. So our people, we're not uniting to harm other people. It's not like white people unity over the centuries. We're not combining and saying, we're going to kill people. We're going to control people. 
most of our people want to unite so that we can develop and advance and learn more about the knowledge that was stolen from us. Mm-hmm. Improve our health. We're talking mm-hmm. about thousands of years of holistic medicine and health. Mm-hmm. That's not just prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that in terms of COVID-19, encouraging our people. If you're able to get vaccinated, get vaccinated, but keep wearing that mask either way. Mm-hmm. Don't sacrifice your life around the world to prove your blackness. Like mm-hmm. pro-black pan-Africanism does not require dying from COVID. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. And I have to say this when I do this work, because unfortunately, so many of our people, all of their lives around the world have been taught that to protest the oppressor, you've got to protest everything said by the oppressor, including medicine that you might need right now. I tell people, if you have a health condition, become informed, Mm -hmm. research the medication, Mm -hmm. try taking the lowest dose, live long enough so that you can learn other options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't die because you theoretically wanted to find other options. Right. So I say all that because we're talking about Haiti, we're talking about the continent of Africa, our people around the world have to be honest about how certain people around the world have been considered the token Black folk mm-hmm. because they're Black enough for demographic data, for diversity. Yeah. But they're white accommodating enough because they don't talk about oppression and so forth. Mm-hmm. to keep it silent, which is why medical schools, medical facilities tend to hire, for example, Nigerian medical students and Nigerian medical doctors because it's mm. Blackness. However, you're not co- going to come in there and talk about the ramifications of transatlantic slavery as much. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Nigerians are less likely to know how to reach our people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, They're more likely to literally go based on what white people say to do. And so, so I address this everywhere I go, because I remember back when I was a child in the 1980s, there was a news story, and I want to say the man was Nigerian. He got beaten by police. And he said on live news, I'm not Black, I'm African. <laughs> he literally said that. I think I remember that. He, they aired it on the news. He was so serious. I want our people around the world to know, including our people who are native Spanish speakers and hopefully not the European version of Spanish as well. The versions of Spanish that are more authentic to our cultures. I want our people to know that our ethnicity, culture, religion, spiritualities, and so forth do not erase Blackness. Mm -hmm. Our shades of melanin do not erase Blackness. Yes. And white people, when white people are harming people in schools, controlling people in schools, police, medical and health racism, all that, they don't say, check off the list. Are you really black today? Right, right. Like you were black yesterday when you were, you know, reciting a hip hop lyric to me because you want to be down, right? Right. You're like, I'm from, you know, I'm from Trinidad, but we cool. But when it comes to oppression, you don't want to be black all of a sudden. We have to call that out because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's no levels of blackness. There's no, I'm black yesterday, but today I'm Trinidadian. I love <laughs> your culture. I love your nation of origin, but you don't have to celebrate that by dismissing. Dismissing. Blackness. 
Yes. It, it doesn't have to be either or. It can be both. It can be both. It can be both. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about, you mentioned that you, you talk about um, Black suicide. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yes. So I have done research and community work regarding Black suicide for almost 17 years. And we have some very well-known Black suicidologists who are people who do research regarding Black suicide Mm -hmm. and who do community work regarding Black suicide. But unfortunately, around the world, there is a very small percentage of Black people who specialize in Black suicide, and particularly in a way that addresses it from a Black standpoint. 99% of Black medical and health professionals and 99% of Black people who do suicide work, they use the white version of everything and they try to apply it to black people right so i am among the relative few black people around the world who actually do this work based on the design for our people Mm -hmm. and i i appreciate a collective of us we've done podcasts together presentations together but when we do this work it's usually out of our own pocket because guess what most white people will not fund this White people want you to use their their method of the diagnostical statistical model, and they want you to make suicide always a form of a result of mental illness. They don't want to address cultural variations. So what I do is I address cultural variations. Mm -hmm. I address suicide as a form of escape. So the example that I use is of Ibu landing and our Ibu people. When our people were stolen from the continent of Africa, and yes, it is stolen, even if you are unfortunately sold by the people within your own culture. I'm tired of people saying, well, now your people sold. That's still stolen because you didn't sign off on that. Okay, you're still stolen. Yes. So (laughs) Uh, uh, we have to say that, unfortunately, because, um, yeah, that's just uh, the brain, again, the brainwashing of history is that people think they found a revelation that, oh my God, you know, Africans sold each other. Yes, but, yeah, but the thing is that they didn't understand what, yes. what was, what they were, yeah. they thought that, you know, they, the type of slavery, the type of enslavement that these white people were taking their people for was not present Yes, in their culture. So they didn't even understand what was happening. They understood they were selling them but it, they didn't understand the extent, right? Or they, or they might not have cared, but I just they always highlight care. that. You know, I like that. I mean, because when we're talking about Ibu landing in particular, that is of Ibu people who were enslaved, forced onto a slave plank, of course, most often. And the escape was to leave the slave ships, try to walk off into the water, Water. which was the ocean. Ibu Landing, people can research that. It's I-G-B-O-L-A-N-D-I-E, two words, Ibu Landing. And I use that, I've used that for years now as the intro when I presentations, that's the image I show of our people with, with water hovering over us in the ocean. And I explained how Ibu landing has different interpretations. Black people need to interpret Ibu landing as a form of escape. 
I literally have black medical and health professionals when I do mental health trainings and suicide trainings across the nation roll their eyes and try to argue with me because they did not want that to be categorized as suicide. They want it to instead be categorized as liberation, freedom, and trying to find an answer. White people are more likely to say it was suicide. It all connects. Suicide includes a form of escape. Yes. Humans have tried to escape for hundreds of thousands of years. From that, they don't understand. Humans have been tired of living for various reasons. Suicide for many people is also a form of escape. Mm-hmm. Trying to make sense. It's a form of different reasons why it happens. So the work that I do, I do not only address that in terms of mental illness. I use French sociologist who was a white W E, excuse me, was w, not W B the boys. Y'all better not write down <laughs> Dr. Emil Durkheim. So I talk about Du Bois so much that I've actually put him on everything. But Dr. <laughs> Emil Durkheim, French sociologist back in the day, when he wrote the book Les Suicide, he presented different forms of suicide from a sociological perspective. Mm-hmm. So I actually use that approach and I add race to it because sociologists back then especially did not address racial variants, gendered variants, language variants. Mm-hmm. So there are sociologists like myself who address suicide in terms of some people see it as a form of escape, some people see it as a refuge and different forms of response. So when I do work with Black suicide, I address how some Black people might get into violent altercations with the expectation that they will be killed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or the hope even that they will be killed. Yes. This can also happen when Black people are victims of domestic violence. This is very prevalent among Black people who are LGBTQIA. Yes. Unfortunately, despite thousands of years of various forms of sexualities, asexualities, gender identities, and non-identities on the African continent and around the world for our people, Mm-hmm. Most Black people have been brainwashed for centuries to believe patriarchy, <clears throat> to believe sexism, misogyny, mm-hmm. and to believe that there's only two biological sexes and two mm-hmm. gender identities, despite mm-hmm. there still being African-based religions, including in Cuba, that recognize our people, including Black men, who have gender fluidity and non-identities. Yes. So that cisgenderism, heterocentrism, transphobia, and homophobia is so prevalent that unfortunately Black people who are LGBTQIA have high rates of being domestic violence victims from a romantic partner and from family and being kicked out of families and unfortunately dying by suicide or attempting suicide initially. Mm-hmm. This is also added because most LGBTQIA support groups and organizations are white people. Like yes. literally, when you're trying to do um, like a safe zone training, which is LGBTQIA training, when you're trying to do different trainings and different work and even mainstream pride parades that get the most support and funding, they're white people. Right. So that's why black people and brown people create um separate pride parades, separate LGBTQI support groups, including LGBTQI suicide and mental health support groups. 
So the work that I do for Black suicide, it includes Black people who have a diagnosable mental illness, but it also includes Black people who don't so much have what we consider the mental illness, but they might have forms of stress that can be considered anxiety. But instead of like a medication, it's more so let's talk about our African meditation methods. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about ways to find support systems. We have hair salons, barbershops, community groups, Black youth groups that are doing more and more discussions. Mm -hmm. So instead of people feeling like all they have are either you go to white people's resources so they can tell you they theoretically want to hear about the effects of racism in Black culture, mm -hmm. but they don't really want to hear about it. They don't really want to hear about it. They don't really want to hear about it because now you're forcing them to learn beyond the white people version of the world and you're and they're breaking a sweat because now you're looking at them and you know that they really just want you to shut up so they can get paid for their hours of work. We also don't want Black people relegated to their families. Unfortunately, most Black families and most of the world are very stuck in traditional conservative religions, which are unfortunately because of colonialism and missionaries. It's very much white Anglo-Saxon Protestantism, Catholicism, forms of Islam, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of this ties together. So the work I do with Black suicide and Black mental health and Black physical health, because I have myself a health condition, I challenge Black folks to get rid of those outdated and 100% false notions of reality mm -hmm. <laughs> and instead save our lives and save each other's lives. And to never wait for white people's permission, like literally the same with COVID-19, white people do not have to announce something to you for you to think and say, maybe I need to be more careful. Yes. That includes whether it's white people at your school telling you to read a chapter. Look, if you want to learn, read the chapter on your own and read other things that you have access to without white people signing off on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, can, we can support medical and health professionals while also researching medications our own and realizing that some medications are not supposed to be taken together. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, when we're talking about five centuries of medical racism and scientific racism that are also the foundation of Adolf Hitler, Nazi Germany. Mm. Yes, Hitler and Germany learned from white people mm -hmm. in USA and Canada. Mm -hmm. These mm -hmm. people bank and literally bank, that's how they get their funding and salaries. They bank on most black people not being knowledgeable, not being informed and saying yes sir, to everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. such that even when you're in a hospital bed, they know, and this is intentional, a lot of times nurses will put prescription meds in a cup when you're in a hospital bed. They expect mm -hmm. you to take it to the head like a shot, right? Mm -hmm. So those of us who actually take everything out the cup and look at it and investigate it, the nurses will have the audacity to say, what are you doing? What am I doing? I'm controlling what's going into my body. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's been the case that even Black nurses will argue with you. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. If you just say yes to everything without trying to understand what should be going in your body, and again, we're not talking about conspiracy theories. 
Mm-mm. that are prevalent for centuries, including during COVID. We're talking about factual information about what medications are not supposed to be taken together, mm-hmm. including warning signs on the labels of prescription drugs mm-hmm. that unfortunately many medical professionals don't have time to keep track of. Therefore, the onus is on us mm-hmm. because if we die, guess what we are? We are their data for research. Right. Nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. So the work I do with Black suicide, Black mental health, Black physical health, is I oftentimes say, stop being their data. Right. Stop being their data. That includes Black women. I have been to Black, to suicide trainings where the white people doing the training have said Black women have a lower suicide rate. It's because Black women are strong. What can we learn from Black women? And I stood up and I said, no, we're not going to, you're not going to use Black we're women not as a model. No. Because Black women having lower suicide rate does not mean that Black women are not struggling. It does not mean that Black women do not die from suicide. It does not mean that Black women do not attempt suicide. Mm-hmm. I know Black women who unfortunately have attempted, who have thought about suicide, and who have died from suicide. So the work that I do, it's very stern. It's very unapologetic. I don't use minced words. You're never going to be perplexed as to what Dr. Kimi Dennis meant, no matter <laughs> where I go. <laughs> no matter where I go, I tell mm-hmm. people you can be angry, but what you're not going to be is confused because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. no one ever contacts me and says, you didn't explain this. Actually, I did. You might've shut off because you right. was feeling some type of way yes. and we can talk about it more, but I don't do confusion. There's enough of it in the world. So when I teach and do presentations, when I do medical and health work, when I do mm-hmm. black suicide work, we're having discussions. Mm-hmm. I'm quiet when our people want to share experiences, but I also explain that humans benefit when there's confusion. You're dying for other people's comfort because mm-hmm. you want them to be confused because you know they're more comfortable when they're perplexed. Right. Stop yeah. dying for other people's comfort based on their chosen perplexity. I want our people to live as much as possible. Yes. So be clear. And, and yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's usually uh, medical and health professionals, including Black medical and health professionals. They'll tell me they need to pay bills. They don't have time to listen to me. I've been told that. So they're willing for us to die so that, including Black medical and health professionals, Mm -hmm. they can pay their bills. So Mm -hmm. that's why I tell people, I say what I say because I know the game. I know that people will claim no one ever told them. So you're not going to say that about the work that I do with Black suicide. We're trying to help people and not allow excuses. Right. Ooh, I appreciate you so much. Because, I appreciate you. Because I think that, you know, it's, I think it's so important to be clear, right? I say that too. I say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to not say what I need to say to you because it's going to make you uncomfortable. We all get uncomfortable for a lot of different things. There's so many things, you know, we pick and choose those things that we want to get uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. and those things that we don't want to get uncomfortable for. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, we decide that, oh, well, that's not that important. Well, it is important. And if you're going to get uncomfortable for it, good, because discomfort means that you're taking it in and it's going to do something, right? Yes. Yes. And it's not going to be immediate. It's not going to be immediate for most things, but you know, just give yourself time. Right. Just give yourself time. So 
is there anything we haven't talked about that you would like to bring forth? I mean, we you've said a whole lot <laughs> and I know that people are going to have to listen to this a few times in order yes. to grasp all the information that you have shared, but is there anything yeah. particular? I want our people to learn without permission, to learn without yes. approval, to learn without everything being in a school format. Yes. To learn without it being on people's, white people's bestseller list. Mm -hmm. Learn beyond what's on white people's awards. Mm -hmm. Celebrate, defend, and support Black people, including the Black people who are the most silenced and the most abused by our own people mm -hmm. and by white people. Mm -hmm. And this is my challenge to Black people, whether it's on social media or in person, if you are often silent until a Black person is celebrated by white liberals, white moderates, white progressives, and white anti-fascists, ask yourselves why you only support and outspokenly support Black people who get white approval Appro and white permission. And I'm going to say this again, ask yourself, all these Black folk around the world struggling, but you want to support the Black people who are making money. You want to support the Black people who are getting the best sellers. You want to support the Black people who are getting the most news shows. It's okay to support these Black people, but if you will claim you're too busy when other Black people who are struggling without support need your support, you need to reevaluate your brainwashing because mm -hmm. you've been brainwashed to believe that there is a ranking of black relevance mm -hmm. and black relevance only exists if it's based on white people's awards and white people's money. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. the black people who are struggling and oftentimes saying more profound things mm -hmm. than the celebrated mm -hmm. people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I say this because I don't believe in political parties and I do not believe in politicians. Mm -hmm. But those of you who do, who are you ignoring because you're so busy chasing after these politicians and political parties? Mm. You're busy donating to the Democratic Party under the name of Black people. Meanwhile, there are Black people in your neighborhood who are doing community action. Mm-hmm. And you aren't even waving to them when they do the community events. You're not mm -hmm. even attending community events. You're not even donating to them. Mm -hmm. But yet you're hashtagging on social media that you donated to Stacey Abrams. Shout out to Stacey Abrams, but not if you're ignoring the Black folk within elbows length of you. Mm -hmm. Because Stacey Abrams has plenty of support, including from many wealthy white people. The Black people who are right beside you many of whom are getting punished. They're getting fired from jobs, kicked out of school because they're not waiting for white permission. They're the ones who need your support. All Black people need your support, but we also have to be honest. Who are you really supporting? Are you supporting only the Black people who are trendy and cool to support and that won't offend white people if you support them? So that's going to be my closing. I really want Black folk to stop being tokens. That's not what Du Bois was talking about. When Dr. W.B. Du Bois said double consciousness, he was not talking about being a token Negro. Mm -hmm. Step and Fetch It was an actor. Step and Fetch It became wealthy by mocking white people. 
he was not serious. You can even read Stephen Fetchett's book. Stop using the phrase code switch to excuse your token sellout antics. That's not what code switching means. Is the, about, mm -hmm, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say just wearing different hats is not the same thing as being token Negro. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so true. Is there, um, you've, you've, you've talked a lot about, um, of, you know, educating ourselves and reading and, you know, digging into supporting those. You just said, you know, support those who are not trendy to support. Mm -hmm. um, who, who would you suggest right now that people kind of take a look at? I want to, you know, let's, let's, let's put some names out there that are not trendy, that people don't, may not know, but that are doing, you know, amazing work just as you are in the world. So this is where I always tell people they can contact me if they have questions. Okay. They can start looking in their local newspapers because I don't want to be guilty of that, which I critique. Like I could name drop, but mm -hmm. name dropping can also be harmful because I don't know the people in everyone's neighborhood who are doing the work. True. Like the people in your cities, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to name drop. I literally want Black people to look at who in their family is doing this work. Who in their mm -hmm. city is doing this work? Who in their state? And we're not talking about politicians and political party stuff. We're talking about Black people who are doing stuff that has nothing to do with political parties. We're talking about Black people who are getting in trouble. They're not getting grant funding because they're not asking white people for permission. Mm -hmm. We're talking about centuries of work that interlocks with what Ida B. Wells said, with mm -hmm. what Angela Davis said with what W.B. Du Bois said, with what Booker T. Washington said, with what Patricia Hill Collins said, with what all these Black scholars have said, based in thousands of years of African knowledge. For the people who are interested in critical race theory, you better learn the centuries of Black knowledge that is the foundation of critical race theory. This theory has existed since the 1980s. All the critical race theorists want you to understand that many Black scholars do not use critical race theory in their work. Why? Because critical race theory is intentionally based on what Black people have said for centuries on the Western Hemisphere in particular. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a medium.com piece about how most people who support critical race theory are not supporting Black people. They're supporting something in writing without understanding what the theorists are talking about. Mm -hmm. And they're supporting something only because white liberals are interested for the time being. Right. The moment white people change their mind and even start to punish black folk for talking about it, because white liberals will punish you, mm -hmm. black people will stop talking about critical race theory. Mm -hmm. Especially when COVID gets more controlled, hopefully in the upcoming years. Mm -hmm. I tell people, support the black people in your environment who are doing this work and they're doing it without permission. They're doing a thankless job. They're mm -hmm. taking money out of their own pockets. The funders are mad at them. The government's mad at them. The police are mad at them. The black people who only do things based on white permission are mad at them. And they mm -hmm. use, I need my job as an excuse. Right. Find those people, including our people such as you who are doing these podcasts, talking about tough topics that generate white terrorists. Because there are white people who stalk Black people who do this work as well. They're oftentimes anonymously mm -hmm. stalked because that's the bravery of 529 years of white people. Right. 
Exactly. That's the bravery of white people. Now technology is helping that white bravery even more. No longer mm. the clan hoods. Now they are doing the email the keyboards. hoods. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yep. And the yep. and the phone anonymity, anonymity hoods. So I want black people to instead of name dropping, mm-hmm. see who's doing this work in your local environment and collaborate. We have mm-hmm. too many black organizations that are not actually collaborating for funding, collaborating for events. Instead, they're competing and that's what white people want. It's, right. it's one thing for white people to compete with each other. That has a different intention and a different design because yes. it'll be white supremacy either way. Black people competing with each other. I tell black folk, my Pan-African pro-blackness is always interlocked with my black gender work, my Mm -hmm. black gender LGBTQIA work, my black disability work, it never separates. So if you're like, I have a sweatshirt that says, if you're homophobic, transphobic, sexist, misogynist, that is not pro-black, that is trash. So my collaborations (laughs) require black people who understand the full span of our people. Yes. Yes. We're not all going to be white version of Christianity. We're not all going to be Islam. Mm-hmm. We're not all going to be religious. I mm-hmm. collaborate with Black agnostics, Black atheists. Mm-hmm. So if for the people who believe that we have to just have one stance and it has to be based on what the power majority tells us is important, they're missing out and they're going to be left out. Mm-hmm. You know, changes might not include them because they're so busy trying to impress the oppressor. And we just, we can't bring in somebody who's still looking back at the slave mansion and saying, but what if? Well, what, right. We can't, we can't bring you in. So. Right. Woo. Thank you so much for so much oh, <laughs> that you have yeah, shared a lot today. Of stuff, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's so good. And I'm so grateful to you for, you know, just putting it out there because that's what is needed. We need to have it out there. So we're going to wind it down (laughs) and I'm going to ask you my question that I ask everybody who comes on the show, because this is diversity dish and we're dishing on a lot of things, but what is your favorite dish? Mm, mm, mm. So I, my favorite food is seafood. So whole crab feasts. My family's from Charleston, South Carolina, and now I live in Baltimore city, which you know, it's a lot of seafood everywhere. Okay. So anything that's got crab meat, and I'm talking about real crab meat, don't make me fight you with that fake <laughs> crab meat. Um, oh my goodness. Um, so there are some really good restaurants that do some really good seafood, but I will give a shout out to sister. She's a black woman, Coralie, Coralie's. She is, she's been in Baltimore City now. She's in Catonsville, I believe. And they do amazing curry sheet crab soup. And let me see if I can get the address. And it's COVID safe. So don't come there messing around. She is serious about the COVID safety there. So Mm -hmm. let me just get that detail. So my favorite dish is anything with crab meat. And as soon as I try to look up her thing, but it's K-O-R-A-L-E-E. And all of her food is good. She's called Coralie's Gourmet Desserts. Again, she is a sister. 
Yeah. And it's called Coralie's Gourmet Dessert. So when you go to their website, you will see all their dishes. And again, my favorite is still the curry crab soup. It literally is like Jamaican curry base because I love Jamaican curry. And it's real crab meat because sometimes you'll see some shells of the claw. So she really is uh, taking it out of the claw. And it's just delicious. And you can sign up for their birthday treats. So when your birthday comes, you get a free cupcake. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, my, my sister and her partner, her husband, are moving down to um, Baltimore. So I'm definitely going to have them check that out. Yes. Or I'm going to check it out when I go visit. I was so going to say, awesome. we're going to hang out. There's, um, yes, there's I was some gonna COVID say. safe places. Yeah, they're Absolutely. doing outside eating. And then after COVID, it's even more fun. So hopefully in the upcoming year when COVID is more controlled, which requires humans to control themselves. Yes. There's so <laughs> many Black-owned places. Um, I'll take you to like the Creole soul food spot. You know? I mean, it's just so many places. Nice. So a black woman chef. So yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for being here on Diversity Dish. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at Patreon. The link is in the show notes. And finally, before you go, don't forget, we have a date. See you soon.